All right. Good morning, Reach Church. All right. So uh, if kids want to head out to Reach Kids, they can do that right now. Yeah. Off we go. All right. And so if you're wondering why Randy's horse, uh, <laughs> we had uh, Reach Saturday night last night, which was a, an amazing time of worship. Um, Randy sang his heart out and his lungs are out too. So uh, if you're... Wanting to worship, uh, join us Saturday night. It's a, it's a great time uh, of worshiping, which is appropriate because today we are talking about uh, the worship in the church. The worship in the church. Now, uh, as we talk about worship, uh, some people had some God-sized questions as they relate to, uh, to worship more like in the singing sense. So, uh, let's start with the questions um, and we can get a sense of, of what they're really asking. So, here, here are two of the questions that, that came up about uh, the worship in the church. First, why are we not singing hymns? Why are we not singing hymns? All right. Uh, that's a legitimate question. Uh, we have this other question uh, that takes it a little bit further. Uh, talking about that, that reach Saturday night. Why has the Sunday worship style become what the Saturday worship was supposed to be? This isn't a question about loudness, but one of purpose. Saturday worship was to play more upbeat songs, but Sunday is now the same. I prefer the difference in styles. All right. So, uh, this question is getting at something that has been around for generations and generations. Uh, the style of the music that we sing up here. And the reality is that so much of, uh, of being part of a body means sacrifices and means preferences. You guys all have preferences. You have preferences as to what I, what I preach on Sunday. You have preferences about uh, what, what color paint is on the walls. Uh, you have preferences as to what songs we sing each Sunday. And the reality is we can't sing all of them. And some preferences are going to be, uh, be sacrificed and some are going to be met. And we wanted to uh, kind of talk about how we can do that without waging what kind of is often called the worship wars. Now, I don't think there's a worship war going on in our congregation, but uh, there can be kind of small battles in each one of our hearts. That usually, when we talk about the worship wars, we usually talk about how uh, the older generation is trying to keep the music the same because it's the best music and it's the only way to reach God. Uh, and the younger generation is actually trying to rebel against all that because they want to they sing uh, hip-hop all the time. You know, uh, no, yeah, yeah, you know, they, all the young people were like, what? No, please. <laughs> That's what you all want, I've heard. Um, no, uh, <laughs> so there's, there's this battle waging between like, okay, what, who gets to express their, uh, their culture, their preferences, the kind of the language of music up here, and who doesn't? And how do we work that out? Now, the hope is that we wouldn't work it out through, through war and through bitterness, through judgment, uh, through attacking the hearts of one another. The hope is that instead we'd, we'd always look at Jesus. And so today I want to I talk about uh, kind of how we can lay down our preferences, how we can actually take up the causes of one another, and ultimately, how we can um, kind of think about worship along the lines of um, kind of the cross and how we can carry our cross and, uh, and love each other well 
and ultimately give, give Jesus the, the praise and worship that he deserves. So, with that in mind, uh, let's pray and we'll, we'll jump in. Father, we thank you that you've given us the gift of worship. We thank you that you've given us Jesus, the one through whom we worship. And Father, I ask that we'd be just one unified body filled with joy and enjoyment of Jesus. Father, would you give us just one voice and one heart that we'd be about nothing but Jesus and that all the other quarrels and disagreements would fall by the wayside because we are just so in love with Jesus. That is our prayer. And would you, would you change our hearts? Would you work in the midst of us? Um, and Father, would you make us even more unified than we are already? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So uh, with this in mind, we're first going to talk about what is worship? All right. What is worship? Well, we've already talked uh, kind of at the beginning of this series what the purpose of humanity is. The purpose of humanity, it was decided a long time ago by a bunch of guys in the, in the 1500s. Uh, in Westminster. Not really, but, um, but it's always good to have helpful summaries of theology. So, uh, a bunch of old guys got together in a room. Uh, the stodgiest, most intense guys you could, you could talk to. These are people who, like, they would only read their Greek New Testament, and they didn't like any, like, notes in it, because it would just it would pollute the text. Like, these kind of super intense guys. And they all sat around, and they decided, okay, what is the chief end of man? And they said two things. To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Now, that's not what you'd expect from a bunch of stodgy old guys. They weren't that stodgy, actually. They were, they were filled with the Spirit. They were excited about Jesus. And they, they decided, okay, what, am I, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to glorify God and enjoy him. Those two things. And when we think about those two things, uh, worship is kind of the way of, of uniting those things together it's our way to, to actively, in word and deed and emotion and thought, lift up and glorify God and enjoy him in the process. So for those of you who don't know what glorify means, uh, glorify, it's a, it's a term that kind of has to do with like weight and heaviness. So the thing that's most glorious, it kind of like, think of a bowling ball, you know, it just like plows through everything else because it's the most glorious thing in the room, all right? <laughs> All right, that's, that's what Jesus is. That's what God is supposed to be. He's supposed to be the most glorious thing in the room. So, uh, when we glorify him, we treat him like he is the most valuable, the most important, the, the most driving force. And so, we can glorify God in, in a number of ways. We can glorify God by uh, him being the driving force in our actions. So, we say, okay, he's going to be the one who is, who is driving forward what I do. It's not about my desires, it's about his desires. He is, he is going to be glorified. He's going to be lifted up. He's going to be moving forward. We can glorify God in, in our emotions. We let, we let our, our emotions be driven by the joy we have in Jesus, the, the sorrow we have over our sin. We let him shape us. We don't make other things kind of crush God and his loves and his hates and his, his desires. We glorify him. All right, but if we just keep make worship about glorifying him, it can become really, really dense and heavy 
it can feel kind of oppressive because that's, that's kind of what the word embodies. But instead, there's this, there's this balancing effect. We're also supposed to enjoy. That worship is actively enjoying who God is, who we are in light of what God has done for us. It's supposed to be also this light thing. That yes, we, we are overwhelmed by the glory of God, but then we are filled with joy because we know who we are and who he is. So that is worship. That is worship. Uh, it's supposed to be a pretty exciting thing and a joyful thing. And when we think about it, I don't want you to first to think about music. Because to worship, doesn't, it's, it's not filled out by this, this half an hour of music that we play each week. All right, we are called to worship all the time in everything that we do. We are supposed to always be glorifying him and enjoying him. Now I say that because we can get kind of over-emotional about this, this time. And we say things like, well, how dare you threaten my, my time to worship? Like, all right, you have lots of time to worship. You can go out there and you can worship. And you can worship to your heart's content. You'll worship uh, every second of every day. You're called to, actually. And so, uh, this is a special time, but it's not the only time. And the more we lift up God and value him and see him as the driving force, the more we enjoy him out there in our normal everyday life, the more equipped we'll be to come here and to do this well. So before we talk about music, before we talk about preferences, um, I want to ask you, all right, what is the driving force in your life? That when everything starts to shake and everything starts to fall away, what is the thing that remains? What is the thing that is stable? What is the thing that, that doesn't get thrown out? What is the thing that you hold as most beautiful? What's the thing that you protect? That's ultimately the thing that you are worshiping, the thing that you're glorifying, the thing that you're enjoying more than anything else. That must always and ever be God. And only him. That's what we're called to in worship. All right. Now, music. Music is a way of doing worship to help us do it. And to help us do it well. So we have Colossians 3, 16 and 17. We have this kind of helpful, helpful summary of what it looks like to worship. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. All right, so something comes outside of us. The word of God, in Ephesians, it talks about the spirit in almost exactly the same way. That as we are filled with the word and as we are filled with the spirit, as it dwells in us richly, we are teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So we, we hear teaching, we hear preaching, we, we talk to each other. But not only that, but singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through him. All right, so we do everything. We do word, we do deed. We, we sing and we teach and we admonish. But one of those things, one of those special things is singing. Is singing. That that's a special way of worshiping, glorifying, and enjoying God. Now, what is so special about singing? What is so special about singing? 
First of all, uh, singing has a way of, of getting to our hearts. Of getting to our hearts. That if we want to express ourselves, if... Alright, what, what, how do you express love? Alright, what better than a love song? Alright, there's something different about it. It penetrates the heart. Alright, there's a reason that we all have our, our wedding song. Right? The couples have, have their, their song that characterizes their relationship and it's, it touches the heart in a different way. Alright, last service I told, I told uh, them our, our wedding song is really embarrassing. Uh, you don't choose your wedding song, okay? It kind of chooses you. Uh, <laughs> ours is uh, Replay. Do you, do you even know the guy's name? <laughs> don't look it up. Uh, <laughs> Casey was in a sorority. You know, we, we danced to it a lot. It talked about, like, getting engaged, and we were going to do that. So, um, yeah. So, it... <laughs> All right, there's a way that music, it, like, it just interacts with your life in a different way. And it, it kind of chooses you, and you're, uh, it's part of your life. And it, it ends up touching your heart in a different way. All right, there's a reason you don't like, recite your favorite poem at the wedding. You know, it's, just, it's different. It's different. All right, but beyond that, that's a kind of a, a silly way of thinking about it. Um, what else is important about worship? Uh, Alright, there's something very special in the fact that when we all worship together, all right, we are all very different people. We're all very different people. We would express ourselves very differently. But in this time, publicly together, we are singing the exact same thing. And we aren't just hearing the exact same thing. We are expressing from our hearts the exact same thing together. All right, this is like as unified as, as the body gets. They were all together proclaiming Jesus. And, and you're hearing one another proclaim Jesus. That the person next to you is not just singing, singing forward. They're singing side to side, encouraging us all. Like, let's, let's all sing together. All right, that's why if you're, if you're just moving your mouth, all right, doesn't count. You want to hear noise, all right? Even if it's a, a horrible noise, it's still encouraging to be like, okay, like, even that guy's singing. You know, <laughs> we can do this. This is important. And the reality is that, like, we, we really do believe that, that putting, putting your voice into it, like, shapes our heart. And drives down into our heart the, the reality of these things that we're saying. And that's where there, there's a larger dimension where Singing is participatory, and it invites people in. And that's where we are not just here for ourselves. We're here to, to proclaim Jesus. We're, gonna, we're trying to help people see that Jesus is the most valuable, that he is the most beautiful, that he should be the driving force in your life. And so when we worship, we invite other people who don't yet see the glory and beauty of Jesus to join us. To sing along and to, to find the beauty and enjoyment that worship is. It's not just for ourselves. It's, it's for the, the whole. For the unbeliever to, to join us.
Then there's this last aspect to worship. Uh, why do we do it? Why do we sing? Because God likes it. All right, he just enjoys it. He wants to hear us. He wants to hear his children singing. And so we do. And we enjoy it, and we, we show that we enjoy it. We express that however we're built to express it. Our love for Jesus, our enjoyment of Jesus, the value that we have of Jesus. All right, so. We have that call. That's what we're called to do. Well, what, what can we end up doing with it? All right, the very sad thing is that sin can corrupt anything. Sin can corrupt anything, even the, even the greatest of things, even the things that are supposed to be all about God. And so what we can do is we can turn this thing that is supposed to be all about God, all about community and unity, all about reaching other people, and make it all about individually ourselves. All right, that is a unique talent of humanity, is to make things all about ourselves. Uh, and so what do we do? Instead of, instead of singing with the congregation, instead of singing with each other, we're thinking, you know what? This is just a terrible song. <laughs> or this is not my favorite. Like, I, I'm going to go tell Randy that, that I don't like this song. <laughs> you know, like, okay, that, that's, what we, that's what we do in our hearts. Some of you do it, actually. <laughs> that's Randy's favorite. Keep telling him all that. Uh, <laughs> you can do requests, though. He, he probably won't listen. But <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Randy. <laughs> I'm very <laughs> He's very approachable. You just heard it. You just heard it. So, um, okay, what do we end up doing? When we, make, when we make this worship about ourselves, when we make it about our hearts, getting what we want. All right, this thing was supposed to bring unity. is divisive and, and now cuts people apart. Then now there's factions in the church and like we're fighting for one style. We're fighting for another. And ultimately, we're not studying, fighting for anything more than our own selfish desires. And so what if we lift it up as the most beautiful, as the driving force, like our desires, what we want? And what are we enjoying more than anything? It's like, it's such a subtle, weird thing, but like instead of enjoying God in worship, we're like enjoying our enjoyment of the worship. And that's how subtle our hearts are. And that's how how we can blind ourselves and think like, no, I'm just passionate about Jesus. Like, no, you're like passionate about being passionate and it just gets so messy. All right, that's the danger of our hearts. Now, I, we can talk about this and we can be like, okay, like, yes, we're all sinners. Yes, we do that with everything. And we do that with everything. This is not the only thing we'd be corrupt in the church or in our lives. This is not the only gift that we thwart and, and use and misuse. But I think there is a special danger to this one because the different camps don't just admit that they have preferences and that they're selfish. Instead, what do we do? We judge one another. And we look at the hearts of people, people we, we can't know the hearts of, and we judge them. All right, so the... The older generation, what do they say about the younger generation? All right, these, these younger people have, have chosen these songs because they're, they're immature, they're, they're trite, they're nonsense, 
They're just emotional wishy-washiness about hurricanes and breakthroughs and, you know, it doesn't mean anything. And why can't we just talk about Jesus? But no, they don't want to do that. Uh, and what do, we, what do we say? We say ultimately, like, they're not worshiping. They're not worshiping God in their hearts. And they're irreverent. And they're not worshiping as they're supposed to be worshiping. Now, what, is, what, are, the, what are the young people? They, they fire back, all right? They could be just as, just as creative in their judgments. All right, like, you just want to sing your, like, dead, stodgy old hymns from the 1500s, from dead guys, and you guys are just as spiritually dead as the rest, all right? We don't want to sing about bulwarks, and, and your bulwarks are boring. Uh, and they reflect, like, a lack of joy, and, and you're not really worshiping. Uh, you're just going through the motions, like... All right, and that's what happens. We end up throwing these things at each other um, and judging one another. All right, the whole thing was supposed to be a unifying enjoyment of Jesus, and instead we make it a, a way of tearing each other apart. All right, does anyone actually say those things? No, but in our hearts we can think those things. And there's a world of judgment in all of our hearts, and we're all judging one another. And all right, what are we really called to? What are we called to when it comes to this stuff? All right, I'd like us to think more along the lines of this. All right, younger people, when you think of the older people, I'd rather you thought, like, okay, these, these hymns, these hymns are clearly beloved. And that when these people think about like their relationship with Jesus, like these songs well up in their hearts. And when they want to sing the, the language of praise to Jesus, that's the language that they use. And that they're filled with joy at the moment. Like that's, that's their whole Christian life. They haven't just sang these songs once. This is a, a lifetime of faithfulness and enjoyment of Jesus. And younger generation, you need to recognize that, like, to say, like, I, you should give that up is, is a huge thing to sacrifice that you're, you're calling them to. To not to get to sing th those songs here is, is a big deal. All right, older, uh, older generation, how are you supposed to think about the younger generation? In compassion and, and with full hearts. Like, should recognize that if you demand that your songs are the only songs up here, like, you will steal that heart language from, from the younger generation. That they will not get the ability to, to find their song with Jesus, to find their replay, you know? Uh, <laughs> the song might be just as silly. Um, but you're taking that from them. And you're saying, like, no, have, have my language not your own. Right, that, that's not what we want for the, the younger generation. That's not what we want for the next generation. We want them to, to have their own faith and to express it, to, to put it in the, the beauty and the language that, that makes sense to them. Now, that, could, that alone is, like, is a huge deal, and that kind of compassion is powerful and makes us want to, to give each other gifts of of their preferences. 
All right, but that's not enough. That's not enough. Because if we stay there, we're still living in selfishness. We're still selfish in the sense that we're only talking about our desires right here. And we're forgetting about the fact that there are people out there who need to be drawn into worship and who are not worshiping the one who is truly valuable and the one who is truly going to give them joy. And that we, are, we all have, many of us have found him. And we want to make sure that those who come here find Jesus and enjoy him without barrier. All right, so, so what am I proposing? I want to make this very, very clear. Uh, when we think about priorities and, and preference, all right, who do we give the preference to? We give the preference to the non-believer and to the visitor because we don't want to put up obstacles between them and Jesus. We want to speak their language. We want to, we want to speak to them. And that might actually mean that none of us get our preference. All right, I was at, I was at a, a workout class. Casey dragged me. Dra no, she, she used to drag me too. Now I go willingly. Um, I'm not telling you what class it is. <laughs> I already told you replay. That's embarrassing enough. <laughs> it's not Zumba, but uh, it's bad. No. Uh, no more questions. Yeah. <laughs> if you all ask about that, I'm not telling you. Um, all right, but, all right, what do they listen to that? In that class, like, it's more intense than this. It's like techno hip hop, you know, like, and, uh, or it came up that one, one girl, she was like, oh, like, there's this weird part that sort of sounded like an organ, and she's like, oh, it kind of sounds like church music. And they said, and, the, and the, the instructor was like, if they played music like this at church, I would go to that church. Like, that's the reality. Like, the, the stuff they listen to, the stuff they want to hear, the stuff that would give no obstacle to them between them and Jesus, like, it might be different than everything that we want. It might be that none of us get our preference. I don't think we're there yet. And I think, I think we might be surprised at where we need to go. So be open to that. But uh, what comes next? What comes next? I think the next preference comes to the younger generation. The younger generation. Because they're immature. Sorry, younger generation, you are immature. Um, younger people are more immature. That's just how it works. And when you're called to to sacrifice, you're just not very good at doing it. And so, older people, we're called to, you're called, I don't know which category to put myself in. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not, <laughs> you all. Um, the mature called to sacrifice. To be the first to sacrifice and to say, you know what, I can, I can jump that, that obstacle. I've had my song. I've had my my decades with the songs that are made just for me when I was the one who was being targeted. And now I'm going to give that up as a gift to the next generation. That would be my hope. All right, not that you're never going to hear, hear the songs that you want to hear again, but that there's a larger purpose, that there's a, a larger calling. Younger generation, you're called to do that too. All right, and it, this is, I recognize this is kind of artificial. 
there's no like magical cutoff point where like you're old now and so you like stodgy music. Like no. In each and every one of our hearts, we want what we want. And the reality is that wasn't how Jesus lived. That wasn't who Jesus was. He, he wasn't about himself. He wasn't about his, his own desires. He, he gave those things up for the sake of others. And that takes us to the, to the last point. All right. I've told you, you are called to compassion. You are called to sacrifice. You are called to give up your desires. You are called to value God more than anything else. You are called to find your only enjoyment and joy ultimately in God. All right, that is a devastating call. And you are all going to fail at that. And actually, as we all judge each other and we say, like, you're irreverent or you're not joyful enough, like, we are all condemned by that. Because you know what, like, I don't care how reverent you are, you will never be as reverent as you're called to be. You will never revere God and fear him and stand in awe of him as he deserves. And you will never believe in the salvation of Jesus enough that you will be joyful enough. This worship will always be stifled. It will always be tainted. It will never be enough. And to judge one another and to point at each other's hearts, we're all going to be condemned at that point. And so I don't give you the law. I don't give you a system of compassion. I'm going to give you Jesus. And Jesus worshipped for us. He worshipped for us. Now, Jesus is 100% God. 100% God. Fully God. He deserved all the worship. He was actually supposed to be the object of worship. He was supposed to be valued and adored. But instead, he realized we were so bad at this that he was going to come and do it himself. And so he became a human and he worshiped the Father perfectly. He worshiped him in, in thought. His, he never thought anything that was sinful or that, that desired his, his own selfish ambitions before God's. Emotionally, he was always worshiping. He, he cried at the right time. He laughed at the right time. He joked at the right time. He got angry at the right time. He worshiped emotionally. He worshiped in, in action, not just in lip service. He, he took on the, the sorrows of people. He drew people into worship. He's the only one who did it perfectly. And then... He took that to the cross. And instead of getting all the worship and praise that that would have deserved, he took on all of our failure to worship. All the times we valued other things, all the times we delighted in things that were evil, all the things we just delighted in things that were, were secondary and weren't God. Every time we were kind of like half-baked in our worship, Jesus died on the cross for that. And he took on, amazingly, he took on our worship song. All right, what was the worship song that was meant for us? Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All right, Jesus should not have been singing that song. That wasn't his song. That was our song. That was our song of misery that we've been forsaken and shamed and rejected by God and we deserve to suffer for it. But Jesus, all alone, took that song and sang it on the cross. 
And then in giving us all of his righteousness and all of his perfection, he now gives us the, the ability to sing praises. And we don't have to sing Psalm 22. Now what do we sing? We sing, Abba, Father. We sing mercy and we sing holiness and righteousness. We sing about grace and we can sing about like hurricanes of love, which is not an exaggeration. And like love drowning us and all around us and flooding us, like all these songs, uh, those are real. Like that's just, we're just trying to grasp at straws of, of the reality of, of what is more than we can ask or imagine. That is the reality. And we've been given such perfection in Jesus and such, uh, such approval in Jesus that not only are we called to worship but, and does, are we able to worship, but God actually delights in us. He sings over us because we're so righteous. All right, look at Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. All right, you do not deserve to have God delighting and singing about you. All right, I don't deserve to have God singing about me. But that's who we are in Jesus. That he is delighting in us to that extent that we are, we are perfect in his sight. We are perfect in Jesus. All right, which means that whenever you go to worship, you are never paying God back. And you are never trying to prove that you are good enough. You, are, you can't get any more perfect. You, God is already delighting you and singing about you because you are perfect in Jesus. So you stop working. Stop trying hard. Stop trying to prove anything to God. Instead, just see him as most valuable and enjoy him. Enjoy him. And recognize that when you put him first, you will have so many more blessings and joy and meaning in your life. It's not about proving anything to him. It's just about enjoying him. All right, that is the fuel for our worship. And that's supposed to be the fuel for every time when you're thinking, I hate this song. Like, well, you are perfect in Jesus and he delights in you and... You are going to sing forever in heaven in perfect worship and joy forever. Like, you can let go of this one. And you think like, oh, that, that next generation is, is ruining these songs that are terrible. Like, <laughs> Jesus took on Psalm 22. Like, you can take on like Mighty Hurricanes and Sloppy Kisses and so some of those silly songs. Like, you can do it. You can do it. And fill that stuff out. If, if, if a song seems trite, like fill it out with all the stuff you know about Jesus. If a song seems stodgy, like actually look at those words. These are not stodgy like songs. These are, you're getting lost. They're pointing to Jesus. They're beautiful. They are, they're deep and they're powerful. Let's together worship Jesus and delight in Jesus. And get excited about what he's done for us. Amen? Amen. All right. Questions? Questions? Yeah. Um, so if you think of like, I guess my question is kind of as we, whoever makes the decision 
talked a lot about like age diversity. Yeah. What about racial diversity? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, unfortunately, uh, yeah, we're not doing great in that category. If you look around. Um, <laughs> That's where, yeah, it's, it's hard to be about people who aren't here. But we should be. And we need to be. Um, I know I made a comment about how Randy's always trying to do black gospel songs. Because he likes black gospel. But, uh, yeah, maybe we do. Maybe we do. Oh, look, she's all excited. No, oh, that was, that, was, that was totally a setup. I walked right into it. <laughs> Did you plant her? Did she? <laughs> but no, our, our, our worship should be, yeah, inviting in all people. Um, all intellectual, all social, all racial, absolutely. Um, yeah, we need to think about that more. That's good. Yeah. This is true. This is true. This is what it is. If we were downtown in the city of Wilmington, we'd be like five white people in a black church. Yes. Uh, absolutely. And that's a, but that's where I think we can be kind of maybe too. Not necessarily, Jeff. Okay. Yes. Yes. The we want to. We always want the to reflect the the population. Absolutely. Um, are we doing that yet? I don't think so. Is it going to be half black, half white? Probably not. Yeah, because that's that's not the population. You're, you're, that's true, Jeff. Yeah. All right. Uh, Candy. I kind of missed the ultimate conclusion here. Is it that the goal is for diversity of style or not? Is it more? I mean, I I, I would say no. <laughs> you saying I wasn't clear, Candy? <laughs> yeah, yes, you are. That's fine. No, uh, I think it's prioritization of. Okay, so that's what you're saying. You're prioritizing the non-believers. I think we're 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 putting we're putting op we're putting as few obstacles in front of people who can handle them. All right, does that make sense? It does. And I'm Follow up. Get us candy. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would just say that, you know, if the object is enjoyment, you know, it is harder for the older generation to enjoy it. Now, there right. are certain aspects that I can enjoy. You know, I can really look at the words and try to enjoy them. And if I see the younger generation truly enjoying it, mm. that will bring me enjoyment. Right, and right. Oh man, if you guys are slackers, then Candy's going to come get you. Um, <laughs> no, absolutely. And that's where, that's where it, it's a huge sacrifice. And to make that sacrifice to no end is, is then it's just painful and suffering. Um, so we just have to go someplace else. <laughs> I, I don't mean someplace else other than here. No, right, right, right. Today, right. other places where we can experience that enjoyment. Um... To some extent, um, you're more capable than others of doing that. I would trust, and I, I believe that about you, Candy. Um, so, to some extent, yes. But I think also, like, we need to recognize that the the younger generation, especially, like, 
should give gifts of hymns and songs that, that touch the other generation's hearts as an act of sacrifice because I need to mature and grow. Um, what that looks like, I'm not quite sure. Agreed. Right. Right. And that's where, like, we can, that we don't, this doesn't have to be a cutting up into, like, well, if it's old enough, then we'll, like, people will like it. Or if it's new enough, then people will, like, there are some songs that, that do cross generations, and the hope is to do those ones so that we can all enjoy without having any barriers. That's, that'd be great. Right. Floyd. But I think that's the key to what, what you, your last statement, is to be able to worship without barriers. Okay? In that sense, I do think the worship service within the church reflects the culture. Right. Right now, ours reflects, you know, that girls look around. This is our culture. Okay? Um, certainly, if I were to go overseas, okay, Europe, okay, Asia, South America, Africa. If I go to any worship service there, and I mean legitimate, but I'm a Christian worship service, it's not going to mirror what I have here. Right. Right. Like aspects of that culture. Right. And that that does not make it any different if it's our God. Right. But it's it might be uncomfortable to me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's where like Jesus was a lot more uncomfortable culturally uh, than any of us will ever be because he, he is the God become man. He, he adopted our culture, our humanity. We, we, we can do that for, for the culture that we live in now. Yeah. Jack? Just a little quick that I like to think about when I get hear situations where people have to contemplate you know, things that come in with attention. And it's just that in uh, the essentials, then we, we should have unity. Right. In the non-essentials, we have liberty. And then in all things, we should have charity. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Leah? Might I make a suggestion? Not a question. You may make a suggestion, okay. Leah. So I just, you know, you're talking about reaching people. Mm -hmm. here, um, and we do still sing some hymns and some hymns. Right. You know, I find that further into my faith, there are certain um, lyrics that I finally understand. Okay, you know, right, that I might right. Not have gotten. Right. You talk about bulwarks or raising Ebenezer's. Or <laughs> <laughs> oh, those Ebenezer's and bulwarks, yes, yes. yes. Um, but my suggestion would be, you know, in introducing songs, might pull in some of those verses or explain some of those concepts because you know, people coming in might right. understand, or even people in the room, myself included, might be like, oh, right. I missed that reference. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, there might be a false dichotomy in that, like, we should educate people so that they can receive, uh, there's other ways of, of getting over the, the obstacles than just choosing a different song. Yeah, you're right, Leo. All right, yeah, Phil. The only thing I've ever seen in the Bible about format, I've never seen done in the church. Okay. Corinthians 14, it talks about let each one of you uh, bring a hymn, a song. Okay. I just 
never seen that. I think that's I think that's one of the best things for for small groups and for uh, for Sunday school for the question time is that that's that is in some sense your your chance to do that. Um, I think that gets kind of it's better exercise I think in the smaller groups, and that's where I'd call you if you enter like as you enter a small group as you come here to to worship like come to sing come to a, encourage one another after the service. Like, do ministry to one another. You're called to, to share these things, to, to do the work of ministry. Um, all bringing your own contributions, all bringing the things that you, you've worshipped throughout the week. Uh, and give those as gifts to one another. Yeah. All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that... Um, that you've given us reason to worship in Jesus. Father, I ask that we would do it with just the utmost joy and enjoyment of who you've revealed yourself to be in Jesus. You are our Father. You are our delight. You are our Savior and our Lord. Father, thank you for, for loving us and rejoicing over us when we have nothing inherently worthy of, of any such things. Father, you are the worthy one. Jesus has done it all. Father, would we lift you up and enjoy all that you are. We pray this in Jesus' name.